Welcome to Manufacturing Success, a podcast presented by the Fisher and Phillips Manufacturing Industry Practice Group. This practice group is a national team of labor and employment lawyers who focus on helping manufacturing employers effectively handle today's legal issues and prepare for the future. My name is Mike Carruth. I'm a partner in the Columbia, South Carolina office of Fisher and Phillips, and I'm a member of the Fisher and Phillips Manufacturing Industry Practice Group. And for over 30 years, I've practiced in the area of labor and employment law. Most of my work involves representing manufacturers. So let's get started with this episode of Manufacturing Success. In many ways, one of the most important barometers of how well a state is doing, whether it's economically, livability, do the people in that state feel good about where they live, comes down to business development. A big part of business development is site selection. From my own limited experience, I can tell you that the labor employment climate in different areas, different states, different geographical regions is a significant consideration, especially for manufacturing clients. So site selection in the context of business development is our topic today. To start our conversation, I'm being joined by one of my partners who has a great deal of experience and expertise in the area of business development, in particular site selection. My guest today is Ray Perez. Ray, welcome to Manufacturing Success. Well, Mike, thanks for having me. I appreciate the chance to to chat with you today. Just real quick to give you my background, uh, I am in the Columbus office of Fisher Phillips. And prior to joining Fisher Phillips, I had a 30 year career in the automotive industry where I was general counsel of some uh, regional operations and had a number of other responsibilities, but one of those was site selection. So I've uh, negotiated expansion projects as well as greenfield sites, uh, selecting between various states for manufacturing operations and uh, had the opportunity to negotiate the incentive packages and then help see them get implemented and, and create those jobs and that economic development you talked about. All right, Ray, so let's hop in on this topic. Let's just sort of start off with some fundamental or foundation type information. What would cause a manufacturer to consider expanding or relocating their operations? I think the first thing that's going to come up is they're looking at their customer demand and they recognize that their existing operations aren't meeting their customer demand. So this could be, you know, that there's gonna be a spike or maybe there's a change in the industry that's going to present an opportunity for them to really produce more and to manufacture more. And then the situation might be they're at a site that's limited. It could be they can't expand for various environmental reasons or just simply they're landlocked. You know, And it could be they've got a whole new market they're expanding into. Maybe in uh, like if they're located in the Midwest, they might wanna look at expanding in the Southeast or out West and uh, to you know, meet their customer demands and their, their logist- keep their logistics costs reasonable, it makes sense to create a whole new location. So a lot of factors they're gonna look at, but it, number one driver is what's your customer demand taking? What's, where's it taking you? All right, well, let's talk about some other factors. What are the factors that the manufacturing employer should consider in evaluating a new potential site? Yeah, you know, it's, it's, everything's unique. And so, you, you know, it's hard to really say these are the five factors that everybody must consider. But in general, first thing they want to look at is, 
you know, the existing suppliers and their existing customers. Where are they located? If they've set up a new operation, let's say all their key vendors and all their key suppliers are in the Midwest, they're thinking about putting a new operation in the Southeast, well, they've got to look, that's going to increase their logistics costs. That's going to increase their operational costs. So they've got to factor that in. And then they got to look where their customers are as well, getting the products that they're producing in their manufacturing facilities to their customers. If that customer base is booming in a different area, okay, it may reduce their costs. Something else they want to look for quite simply is where's their available land? You know, there's this uh, assumption that there's a lot of land out there, but for industrial or manufacturing purposes, there aren't as many as you think. You've got to look at environmental restrictions. You've got to look at both air and water. You've got to look at, you know, road access. Uh, you've got to look at uh, railroad or, you know, what are the other key variables? Maybe you use a lot of ports and you need to be close to a port. You know, all of those factors kind of weigh in on, is there land that makes sense? Another thing you want to look at is, what's the utility environment? You know, can you get the electric? Can you get the wastewater? Can you get the, can they handle your wastewater? Um, can you get the gas that you need? Are there pipelines? So all of these things kind of figure into, is there a site that makes sense that you can develop and you can really, uh, you know, manufacture it there? Another thing that I always tell clients to think about is, what's the quality of life where you want to go? Because it's quite likely that you might have some employees you're going to transfer to help start up this location. Well, they, you know, is it going to be drudgery for them? Are they going to go to a location that they don't want to be in and they don't have the entertainment that they're looking for or doesn't have good schools? So all of those things can kind of factor in. And then another biggie is uh, the tax structure. Are you going to a place that's going to have greater or higher income taxes or property taxes or value-added taxes that you all got to consider and value and work that into the equation to make these you know, assessments? And probably the most important is, is the workforce and what's the labor and employment environment. When you're comparing these locations, are you going to find a place that, you know, has the right workforce that you need? In South Carolina, there's been a lot over the last few years uh, of discussions uh, about what the state of South Carolina has offered uh, employers, and the state's done a wonderful job of bringing in some great companies into South Carolina. Uh, but they talk about the incentives. Uh, what types of incentives are available for a manufacturing employer for expanding or relocating their business? Yeah, that's a good question. It's really, that's the ball game. You know, that's what differentiates oftentimes one location from another is what kind of incentive package is put together. And what I like to tell clients is, you know, they got to be careful because incentives are essential, but a bad location if the incentives don't overcome, you know, it's still a bad location. It's not going to be long-term successful. And the reason I give is like, say they're going to offer you tremendous tax breaks. Well, those are great and that's important. But if the site doesn't work logistically, if the site doesn't have a workforce that you need, you're not going to be successful there, even though you get these tax breaks. So the incentives aren't going to make it successful. What is going to, the incentives help to knock off some of the edges where there might be a problem. So get into your specific, let's say you're building a new, you're a new location, doesn't have a good access to the highway. Well, the incentive might be a new on-off ramp at the highway close to your location or road improvements that can handle the truck traffic. Another one that comes up quite a bit are utility infrastructure improvements. As I mentioned, you might not have a gas line that goes to this. An incentive might be they'll extend the line so you can get gas to operate your facility. And another biggie is the labor and employment aspect. Um, training, 
offering training programs, offering uh, you know, screening of employees, uh, working with local two-year and four-year colleges to develop programs that meet your training needs. If you've got a lot of complex uh, computer manufacturing, you need engineers to keep that stuff up and running. The two-year colleges, oftentimes part of the incentive package, they'll create a training program geared around your specific production needs. So it's, it, there's a lot of things out there. And, and I did mention the taxes, they're also important. You can get you know, value added taxes, property taxes, job credit taxes. Each state's a little bit different, but all of them are really designed to try to, to, try to make themselves competitive. And as when you're a manufacturer trying to pick between these two, it becomes a measuring. You know, One may have better taxes, one may have better workforce, one may have better road infrastructure. You kind of got to balance it all out. But if a manufacturing employer is, is in this process, what is the fundamental approach for trying to get these incentives? What, what do they do to move that forward? Yeah, I think the first thing you want to do is build a good team. And, you know, whether you've got internal resources or you want to hire some folks like a, a Fisher Phillips or attorneys to help evaluate these things and take a look at what are the needs. So, again, you might have a site that um, it looks really good, but it might have uh, some challenges from a logistics point of view. Okay, you need to understand logistics are gonna be a make or break issue for this site to be successful. So then when you're negotiating that incentive package, logistics might be a number one issue with state number one. But if you've got another state you're looking at, logistics might be fine, but uh, they might have an issue as it comes to uh, the publicly owned treatment works being able to handle your wastewater. Their facility is not you know, robust enough to handle it. So the incentive might be, how do you improve that treatment works to be able to make that site a competitive site? So it depends on the site, what the site needs to be successful is really drives how those negotiations go. So it's not the same with each state. It's what, what is that, what's, what's the deficiency that you need to overcome and how can those incentives overcome it? Then once you're all things are equal, you've also got the tax incentives that come into play and how do those impact your long-term operations? Very interesting. Uh, I know uh, from the work uh, done for manufacturing employers that the, the main uh, asset, the most important asset really are the people that do the manufacturing work. So what are some of the variables that a manufacturing employer would consider in evaluating a local workforce? Yeah, that's a great question because everybody always says uh, workforce is the most important aspect to our operations. And, you know, that's what we're really studying. And then the question is, well, how do you really compare a workforce in one state versus another? And, you know, there's a lot of data that you can look at. And I really believe in being focused on the data. So first thing you wanna look at is the demographic data. What are the numbers of people in this area who are gonna be your workforce? And what are the skills that you're gonna need? So, you know, and what are the, like a good example is, how many engineers are in this, you know, hiring area, if that's what you're gonna to need to keep your plant operating. And it's not just raw numbers, it's numbers per 10,000 so that you can compare one location to another. And that's really important to be able to compare apples to apples when you're looking at a spot. And then the other thing, you know, a lot of places will just say, well, our unemployment rate is 4%. Well, that's, that's helpful and that's good to know, but what's the unemployment rate for, let's say, IT engineers? That may be the kind of thing where if you need some IT support, 
that unemployment rate is running near zero. Well, you know, that's going to be a problem that's going to impact you. So you want to look at different categories of workers in terms of what the unemployment might be. Next is education levels. That's huge. You want to look at, you know, what kind of high school graduates you have, what kind of two-year graduates you have, what kind of four-year graduates you have. After that, the resources, I mentioned those two-year colleges. When you're studying a workforce, is there training out there available? So do the employees, you might have, you know, a good handle on the production workers that you need, but are they going to be able to get the training to become the maintenance technicians that you need? Are they going to be able to do the design of the equipment that you need? Um, all of these manufacturing issues, you want to see, is there a resource nearby that can help your company grow and be sustainable as market shifts, as equipment shifts to new types, new technologies come in? Can your company stay on the cutting edge? And then, you know, a biggie on this is the regulatory environment. That's another one that, you know, you want to look, how do they manage workers' time? How are different issues handled? How safety handled? Is there a, a state agency versus uh, only working with OSHA? You want to understand that environment from a worker's point of view, because that can really impact your administrative operating costs. That last point, Ray, was very uh, uh, significant, I think, and something that I, I have somewhat of an experience with. Uh, in the practice I have, I've done work in over 30 states. So I can tell you from direct experience that how each state handles various employment and labor issues can vary greatly. And I think you brought up the issue of the regulatory environment. So in the context of a manufacturing employer trying to evaluate the, the employment law climate, the labor law climate, what have you seen as some of the better ways, if not the best ways for them to evaluate that specific aspect of a site selection project? Yeah. It really, and this may sound a little self-serving, but you really have to talk to the attorneys who know the environment. And, you know, they, they're going to know the judges, they're going to know the regulators, they're going to know the key regulatory issues that are that are in the state. Um, it, it's critical, and it's it's very different, and you can't assume uh, that it's going to be, you know, you, you know, a lot of companies that maybe have only operated in one state, they assume everything operates the same in other states. And I've seen mistakes made where they think, well, we're going to have a central HR function that's going to be at our home office in our existing state, and they're going to support this new expansion we're going to do in this different state. Well, what they quickly find out is the laws are different, the people are different, the way it's managed. So now they're going to have to figure out how do they ramp up their skills in that second state. If they had thought about that early on, they could factor that in a little bit better. So I, I truly believe the best thing to do is you talk to counsel who have dealt with it and know what they're doing in that region is, is essential. Yeah, I agree with that. Uh, you mentioned mistakes uh, in gathering information in those areas. Just in general, what are some of the common mistakes that manufacturers um, do make or could possibly make during the site selection process? Yeah, I think, well, I mentioned the one right after that, and they think that well, I'm just going to get the most tax dollars and most incentives I can, and, and I'll let the rest of the issues kind of handle themselves. They can't think that way. They got to think long term, what are going to be the issues for this facility to be successful? I think the second thing I've seen companies make a mistake is when they're looking at a site, 
they don't think long-term in terms of expansion of that site. You know, oftentimes you get into a location, product, things are going great. Well, we need to expand. We need to add new bays. We need to grow this site. And with logistics traffic, with employee parking, all the issues you need at a site, they're not that easy to expand. So as a result, they're not thinking long-term about, you know, hey, how can this site really work for me and be successful down the road? So I think that's the second issue. I think the third issue in a site selection is um, not being data-driven. I see people that make decisions. I've seen companies, you know, and, and, uh, and, and not often, but in some cases, there's going to be an executive who decides they want to be in a particular state and they haven't really done the analysis of it. They've just decided we want to be located in this state and they're not open to opportunities that may exist in other locations and not do the legwork to decide, you know, is this actually the best location for us? I'm very good. Thanks for sharing your thoughts today and thanks for being part of Manufacturing Success Podcast. We hope everyone found today's conversation helpful, and we look forward to having you join us again. Have a great day. Thanks for the opportunity. This podcast provides an overview of a specific developing situation. It is not intended to be and should not be construed as legal advice for any particular fact situation.